Hey guys, Dave Riesinger here. Thank you for tuning in to Redeemed Church Online. I hope this message blesses you today. I really feel like God laid a word on my heart for this hour of time that we're in. I was driving uh, the other day and uh, I was just praying like, God, what is it that I'm supposed to say? What do you want to communicate? And I felt like the Lord brought this story out of Mark chapter 8 to my heart. I started to dive in and study. And I feel like there's kingdom principles that if you and I will listen, if we'll pay attention, and if we'll apply it to our life, we can actually be a source of healing in a culture of hurt right now in this hour of history. Uh, I want to start by the title of this message is Lord, Open Our Eyes. Lord, Open Our Eyes. You know, the ability to see is so crucial because sight has to do with understanding. It has to do with discerning. It has to do with being able to comprehend what is happening and how to, uh, how to uh, approach a situation and the means that we apply a solution. And right now, because tensions are so high with this, the, the killing of George Floyd, but that, it's not just about that. that. That's just pointing to an underlying issue in our nation where there's political and racial divide and there's not a lot of solutions floating out there. And so God continues to bring us back to his word, to say, I am the truth, I am the way, I am the life. And if you follow me, you will find all truth. You will find the way to life and godliness. You're gonna find the life that you're looking for. And so check this out. I wanna, I wanna dive in by first paraphrasing before we get to the main passage. It starts off by Jesus with his disciples they're at this incredible event in which 4,000 men plus women and children are fed with seven loaves of bread and a few fish. This would be a miracle if you didn't know. So here they are, they experience something that just cannot happen outside of God's hand sovereignly moving on behalf of this hungry multitude. So Jesus, he after this, they wrap up they hop in the boat, they fire up the engine, and they're about to head to another location. And we're about to get a glimpse on the inside of how knuckleheaded these disciples could be at times. And I'm telling you straight up, I laugh and it's encouraging at the same time when I see the disciples kind of show their humanity and fall short of perfection. Now, I, I want them to win, and I'm encouraged when I see miracles and I see them you know, Peter declared Jesus as the Messiah, the son of the living God. I, I want them to win, but it's kind of nice when they mess up once in a while because I know uh, Jesus didn't pick the sharpest tools in the shed. And I would probably put myself in that category. I, I wasn't the brightest. I, I wasn't the most brilliant. And yet God still chooses to use average everyday fools like me and you. I'm not calling you a fool, but if you could lift your hand with me, God chooses to use the foolish things to confound the wise. And I think this is kind of funny because Jesus is trying to teach these guys a lesson, a spiritual lesson based off of this miracle that took place. It says, now the disciples had forgotten to take bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. So they see this miracle, there's all this bread left over, they're gonna snatch it up in a basket and have some snacks on the way back and they forgot it. So I imagine they were probably blaming each other. Dude, you forgot it, you were in charge of that. No, I was getting the boat ready for Jesus. You know, I was doing, no, I don't know what it was, but they, they forgot the bread and they're consumed and they're just like caught up with this whole thing. 
Jesus, in the middle of it, verse 15 says, Watch out, Jesus cautioned, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. See how Jesus takes leaven, which is in bread, and he ties it into be careful of the things they're teaching and this poison that they're going to try and infect you with if you're not aware and you're not diligent to guard your hearts. So he's like dropping spirit gold right now in this metaphor where he's beautifully weaving in the miracle that they just experienced with the message that he wants to impart into them. Now, how would these pupils respond to the greatest teacher, rabbi, um, author of truth that's ever walked the face of the earth? How are they gonna receive this incredible lesson? It says in verse 16, so they began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. Do you catch that? It just went straight up over their heads. They didn't pay attention, they weren't listening. Jesus drops this nugget and they didn't get it whatsoever. They're still arguing about bread. And it says this in verse 17. Aware of their conversations, Jesus asked them, why are you debating about having no bread? Now, this reminds me of the time that like, or many times as a parent, you try to teach your kid this incredible life lesson and you're gonna have this teachable moment and you know, the stars have aligned and now you're gonna sit down and you're gonna pour wisdom from a father into a son or a daughter. And you know, I've been in these times and you know, I, I, I felt like I just nailed it. Like I gave my heart and just felt like this kid is going to make it in life. He's gonna be a success from this one talk I just gave on the couch. And, and, and so you're like, and son, this is the meaning of life. What are your thoughts on that? I'd love to hear. And then your son responds, can I watch SpongeBob? I'm hungry. When's mom gonna be home, right? And you're thinking to yourself, man, you're never gonna make it in life, kid. I'm kidding. I've, I've never said that. I've never thought that. But you do feel like, kind of like, man, I failed. I flopped this great golden lesson flopped. He's thinking about SpongeBob. He didn't even hear me, right? And so Jesus is having this moment. And he says to him, do you still not see or understand? Do you have such hard hearts? Having eyes do you not see? And having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves or the, uh, for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you collect? 12, they answered. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you collect? Seven, they said. Then he asked them, do you still not understand? So Jesus, now check this out. He's challenging their spiritual blindness. Now look at the event that follows right after this. They get the boat, they pull up to Bethsaida, and they come off the heels of a miracle and a teaching, or a rebuke you could say, about how they cannot see. Now look what happens. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some of the people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Coincidence, isn't it? We just talked about y'all being blind. We just talked about the fact that you can't comprehend. We just talked about the fact that your hearts are hardened and a hardened heart is affecting your ability to see. And the very next event that takes place is people show up to the next location with a blind man. So he took the blind man uh, by the hand and led him out of the village. Then he spit on the man's eyes and placed his hands on him. Now this is weird. We're going to get back to this in a minute. Jesus spits on this man, spits right in his eyes. 
And then he asked him a question. Can you see anything? He asked. The man looked up and said, I can see the people, but they look like trees walking around. Once again, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes. And when he opened them, his sight was restored and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him home and said, do not go back into the village. Now, I want to comb through this real quick. And this is the, the, the bullseye of the lesson. And these are the things that I hope you take away as, as, as messages out of this miracle. I want you to understand that anytime Jesus did a miracle in the scriptures, there was two miracles taking place. It was the one physical miracle for the person, but also for the crowd or for the audience or for the reader, there's the miracle of the kingdom message that's supposed to build faith in us. And so when we see these odd details that are taking place in this passage, there's some interesting details. There's no explanation given why he spit in his face or why he walked him out of the village or why at the end he told him not to go back to the village after he received a healing. And so there, there, there have been times Jesus did explain what he just taught, the parable of the sowers. He said, the sower goes out to sow the seed, here's the soil, 30, 60, 100 fold return, and then he breaks down what it meant. This one, there's no breakdown or explanation of what it meant. And so in times like this, you have to let scripture interpret scripture and look for the kingdom lesson in the miracle and in the message. And so we're gonna try and do that. And hopefully you and I have clearer sight at the end of this than we did before. And so here we go, we, we, we dive in and Jesus is dealing with how do we see more clearly? How are our eyes opened so that we're able to navigate life in a hostile world? As I said, you know, we're in an hour in time where you have camps that are divided. You have political camps, cultural camps, um, camps that are, uh, that, that are going at one another, not just about the George Floyd situation, but I'm talking about just overall, politically, ethnically, racially, um, monetarily. There's so, many, there's so many emotions flaring and raging so hot right now. And I promise you, that people on this side and on this side, there's caring folks on both sides. And, and, and there's caring folks on both sides who absolutely believe they're convinced of what the problem is and what the solution is. Both sides totally convinced that they see clearly. And yet the other camp might say that you're completely blind. So how do you know if you're blind? How do you know if you're the one that actually sees or if you're the one that can't see very well? And then if, if, if you really care about people, you don't want to hurt anyone, you want to heal them, right? If you really care about society and culture and you care about God's heart for humanity, the goal is then never to prove someone wrong or humiliate someone by showing that they're blind. It's to bring them to Jesus so that they can be healed. And so Jesus lays out, and it's kind of subtle, but there's this incredible process that might help us better our ability to see and comprehend and bring sight to others who are bound by blindness. So let's break it down, um, revisiting the same passage in Mark chapter 8, 22 to 26. It says this, So when they arrived in Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Here's what I find interesting about this, is that a lot of times in Dave's life, when I've seen someone that I disagree with, like in marriage, there's times that we disagree. If you're married, can I get an amen? You think you're right, she thinks she's right. 
she's absolutely convinced. You don't see, you're absolutely convinced. And, and, and there's times that I will try to force my wife's eyes open by my persuasion. There's times in culture, I mean, think about it. Republican, Democrat, you know, whatever. And we keep going at it, right? And, and, and we're trying to get other people to see by belittling, by um, disrespecting, by dishonoring, by degrading, thinking that if I slam their blindness, somehow they're going to have eyes that open. That's not how it works. Jesus gives us the lesson that to get someone to comprehend the reality of the way it is, according to the sight and the lens of God himself, who is perfect, says they brought him to Jesus. They didn't try and bring him to their own opinion. They didn't try and bring him to a place of shame so that they could show him how wrong he was, right? Now, now we're tying in a miracle with the spiritual lesson Jesus was trying to give on the boat. So use this man being healed as kind of a type or a symbol of spiritual blindness. And so this is such a good point because if our argument isn't founded or our point of view isn't founded on the word of God, which is truth, then we're probably seeing dimly. If we're trying to get somebody to see and we're not taking them to the Lord in prayer, asking God to open their understanding that maybe our heart is hardened toward them because the way God works is he asks us to talk to him and when we talk to him, he moves on behalf of what we cannot do ourselves. He does things that we can't do, like feed multitudes with a little meal, or like open the eyes of the blind when people shouldn't be able to see. And so I wonder in your life or in the situation we're in now, you have people that maybe you disagree with. You have people that maybe you're at odds with. Um, are you taking them to Jesus? If you're convinced they're blind, you know, because sometimes I've taken my wife or people I disagree with, I've taken them to Jesus in prayer or I've gone to the word of God to just see like, what is it that's true here? And I found that in the process, I myself was in error and the Lord corrected me as I was bringing what I thought was a blind person to Jesus to be healed. I found that it was actually I who was blind and got healed in the process. I see another thing here is that with Jesus being the perfect word, the perfect truth. Um, we all have to understand, 1 Corinthians says this. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, Now we, you and I, see but in a dim reflection as in a mirror. But then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. You know what the scripture's saying here? That even the best of us, we still see through a glass darkly. Even the best of us, we don't see it 100%. So if I know that, then I can never come to the table with the pride of believing that I, I am fully, uh, fully aware of every detail and I'm accurate 100% of the time. This allows me to come to the table of reconciliation and the table of ministry with the understanding that I'm still human. The only one who was perfect is Jesus, and I'm not. Therefore, I have to assume that my emotions, my feelings are not always facts. My, my, my comprehension is based on my experience. Maybe some of the word of God is in there. Maybe some of the truth is in there. But I have to assume that I'm capable of error, and I have to continue to go to the plumb line and the perfect source 
so that I can better my own vision and help others in the same way. The next verse says this. So Jesus meets this blind man and verse 23 says, so he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Now, why would Jesus, why didn't he just heal him right there on the spot? I mean, he could just lay his hands, bam, he's done it before. He could have healed him right there. Spoke a word, open your eyes. But he literally takes dude on a walk. Like, hey, let's go for a stroll. Which means this is like kind of the trust walk, right? I don't know if he's held his hand or put his arm or had to coach him the whole way. But he walks the guy out of the village to do a miracle. Why is that? I think many times spiritual blindness requires that we get out of our environment and we get into a new environment. We tend to surround ourselves with people who think like us, who vote like us, who, who talk like us. Therefore, we see life the same, usually, as the people that we've accumulated in our village or that we've been raised with. And, and I, I think there's a faith lesson here that sometimes if you want to grow and you want to influence the world and you want to have more impact, then sometimes you got to walk out of your village with Jesus and get into a new space and quiet the voices that are continually reinforcing what you already believe, what you already see. And as long as it's the Lord leading you to a new place, then go and understand that this might be uncomfortable. You might not know where you're going. You might not know the people that are there. You might have to experience things you've never experienced, answer questions you've never had to answer. You might be confronted with things you've never been confronted with because there's ideas that you've never contemplated. But when Jesus leads you to a new place, understand that it's for the purpose of opening your eyes so that you can see more clearly, right? If we never expose, Bishop Jake says, you cannot lead beyond your own exposure. If I want to lead more people, I have to be exposed to more situations that help me understand people better in light of God's mission and his word. And so in this hour of history, I, I believe that there are people that um, the problem that I'm seeing is that there are camps where people are, are, are so emotional and so dead set on this is right and there's a refusal to venture out of my camp and go sit and talk with somebody in another camp to learn from somebody's experience that maybe I didn't have. Whether it's a black and white thing or a Democrat, Republican thing, listen, as a believer in Jesus Christ, my goal is not to have the right answer all the time. My goal is to do the right thing. And my goal is to glorify Christ in all I do so that hopefully a soul and a heart is one to Him, not to my opinion. And so I wonder if God is calling um, the body of Christ especially to take this walk of humility where you don't really know where you're going and you don't know what to expect there, but when you get there, you trust that the Lord is going to bring more sight to your eyes, to your understanding. It says this, and this is the next verse, the next part of this verse, and it's really odd. It says, then he spit on the man's eyes and placed his hands on him. Can you see anything, he asked. You know, this would be hard to unsee. I mean, what would you do? If this was you and you heard about this man named Jesus, he's supposed to be this loving rabbi. Some say he's the Lord, the Messiah. You have the sense that, man, this could be the guy. And you have the sickness. You're expecting to get healed. He takes you on this walk. 
and then all of a sudden he spits in your face. I mean, think about how awkward that is when you slow it down. It's not like, oh, in ancient culture, spitting was a sign of love and friendship. It wasn't. In the Bible, spitting on someone was the, the sign of absolute disgrace and disrespect. It was like to curse somebody, right? So I would be thinking like, okay, hold on. This isn't Jesus. One of my buddies just pulled a prank on me and they're, get, they're about to get blindsided with a brick into the head, right? Like this would not be cool. I don't care if there was a miracle on the other end of it. This wouldn't have been cool culturally. Now, there were some beliefs that somehow saliva had some healing element to it. But ultimately, we don't fully know why Jesus decided to spit in this man's eyes to make him better. But we do know this. Jesus never did a miracle the same way twice. There was three times he used spit in a miracle, but never did it the same way. What I love about this is that this removes our confidence in techniques and in methods, and it causes us to trust in the Lord, not the technique. It causes us to trust in the Lord, not our denominational expression. It causes us to trust in the Lord, not our preference, right? Or our way of doing ministry. Jesus can do a miracle a million different ways, and the million different ways aren't the magic. It's the, it's the Messiah who brings the miracle. It's his name, it's his power, it's his love. I love this too because when you think of eyes being opened, um, and that idea of disgrace. Jesus was by no means humiliating this guy, but it was humbling. Come on, if you have somebody spit in your face, I would rather you punch me in the straight up neck than spit in my face. Uh, there's just some level of humiliation. Yet Jesus, we know, can't sin. But there have been times that Jesus asked people to do some humbling things to receive a miracle. And there's two thoughts that I have here. Number one is... Sometimes when God opens our eyes, he brings us to a place or to, experience, to an experience that is so far outside of our predicted repertoire of ways he could speak to us. He will shock us with uh, experiences, with conversations, with relationships, with um, opportunities that we didn't assume would be in his arsenal to help transform us. Who would have thought that God would do a miracle by spitting in someone's face? Who would have thought that God could heal um, a, an Aryan racist by causing a black man to enter his life and transform him by showing him love? This is a story that I watched on, on, uh, on YouTube. And, and it, just so far outside of the expected way. And so when God is truly about to open our eyes, he might bring us to some places and do some things that we don't expect and we're actually not comfortable with. He might even humble us. And in the process of going to a new group or a new camp and having new conversations with new people, we might have our ego humbled when people start to confront the way we believe and put us on the spot. And it might feel like getting spit in the face, but it says also that his hands were on the man when he did it. So understand that if God humbles you to open your eyes, his hands are still on you, he hasn't left you, it's part of his embrace to heal you so that you can go out with better comprehension, discernment and understanding and change the world with his heart, not your opinion. It goes on in verse uh, 24, it says, the man looked up and said, I can see the people but they look like trees walking around. You know that usually spiritual clarity and sight, it comes in a progression of stages. 
you know, you, you get exposed to a new revelation, a new thought, a new idea that God leads you to. And he, uh, he, he gives you some sight and what you couldn't see before, you start to see, right? Oh, I'm getting it. Okay, now I understand where you're coming from. Okay, now I see why you think the way you do because of the life you had or the experiences you had. Okay, now God is opening. I don't fully comprehend it, but I'm starting to see. Now, what I love here is that Jesus touches him one more time in verse 25. It says, once again, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes and when he opened them, his sight was restored and he could see everything clearly. What a lesson of ever-increasing clarity that if you want to continue to grow in your ability to see, you constantly need more touches from Jesus. The more time I spend in his word, the more my eyes open. The more I get in his presence, the more my eyes open, right? I see dimly now, and none of us will ever see clearly until the day we go to heaven, but I can see more, and the ability to see is gold in this world that is far from God because everybody's looking for the way. And if you know the way and you can lead others in the way, which is Jesus, but know how to do it in a bilingual way where I speak the language of heaven, but I connect with someone on earth and I understand how to get in their world because my eyes have been opened to know their heart and know the heart of God and put the two together. This is so important. And this is why we need multiple touches from Jesus. If our eyes are going to stay bright and we're going to be able to operate the way he wants us to. Now, why did finally uh, Jesus say this? Uh, he says, verse 26, then Jesus sent him home and said, do not go back into the village. Why not? Why not go back and testify about what Jesus just did? Wouldn't this be the best way to show that a miracle had been done and give Jesus glory? Well, if you read in Matthew 11, Jesus actually cursed this city. He said this about Bethsaida, where the man was brought from. He says, Woe to you, Chorazin and Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre or Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. You know, this, this is interesting because it kind of teaches us that here's this town that had miracles performed in it. Jesus, to use the phrase, Jesus bent over backwards to show the reality of his love to these people and still they would not believe. And he said, sight must be protected once it's given. And the best way to lose your sight is to go around obstinate doubt and disbelief. Listen, if you and I wanna stay bright in the eyes and bright in the understanding, then we've got to guard the things that go into our ears and we've got, to, we've got to guard against those things that contradict the truth of God's word, even if it sounds good in culture, even if it sounds good uh, to, my, to my emotions or my ego, if it contradicts the word of God, then it is going to bring blindness and blindness is going to lead us into destruction. I wanna close in prayer because I don't know where you're at but I know God wants to heal your heart, wants to heal your sight, wants to heal this nation. God's idea uh, was diversity. God made us all the way he made us in the image of God. You know that like what we're dealing with right now by seeing a black person or a white person or a brown person with eyes of disdain based on the way they look, 
or based on maybe some uh, political beliefs someone has. It is literally a sin against the image of God, and it's a sin of blindness and hardness of heart. We should, especially guys as believers, we should have the type of heart that says, my great desire is to bring reconciliation with God and with man. And if I have to take the humble road and leave my village to get to other people, and if I have to go through the process of, 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 of sitting and being taught or asking questions or going in with a small mouth and big ears so that the world may know that he is Lord, then Jesus, here I am, send me. Can I pray for us? And I wanna pray for healing in your life. I wanna pray for the hurt that our country is experiencing. And I wanna pray that God would give you the courage to take a journey, to take his hand, and to be led into a place that you, maybe you don't know and is not comfortable so that he can heal you, so that you can be a source of healing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. And I pray for those watching right now that God, we would experience your love and your kindness. I pray that God, even though you lead us into places that are uncomfortable, places outside of the norm of our experience, we trust that you have our best in mind and we trust that you are preparing us, God, to be agents of healing in a world of hurt. I pray right now that the church would rise with humility and God with faith, God, to bring a solution to the hurt and the pain that we're experiencing in this world right now. We thank you that you've called us to such a great mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Share this with somebody if you feel it'll be a blessing. If you want to know more, go to redeem.church. Thanks. Hey, everyone. I hope that was an encouraging message. And we as a Redeem staff are committed to continuing this conversation over the next couple of weeks and months as we walk alongside these times with you. We have a couple of announcements. One is a really big one. We are planning on getting back together Saturday evenings starting June 20th. So mark your calendars. If you're not on our email newsletter or following us on social, please do because we'll give you more details on what that's gonna look like with time and location and what you need to bring. But we are so excited to get back together in just a couple weeks. Thank you for giving us a little bit of time to just make sure that we got everything set up exactly how we need to, to make sure that we're following all the guidelines. The second one is we are going to be this summer partnering with our friends at Olympic View Baptist Church to make sure that we're delivering food for kids in the University Place area. So we are starting at the end of June and we need a few more volunteers. If you're interested in volunteering, email us at info at redeem.church and we'll get you everything that you need. All right, I hope you all have a great week and we'll see you next week.